We were in Philippians this morning, we're in Philippians again this evening. I want to read to you from the end of Philippians, from chapter 4, verse 10. Uh, so if you've got a Bible there, you might like to turn to it. Um, if you've got a church Bible, page 982. Philippians chapter 4, from verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs again, once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Father in heaven, as we look at your word and as we think about uh, supporting missionaries this evening just briefly, I pray uh, that you would be at work, that your grace, Lord, would be with us uh, as we meet together uh, to worship you around your word. Speak, we pray. Uh, that we might hear, open our eyes, open our ears, and speak deep into our hearts the truths and the wonders of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to speak a little bit uh, this evening about supporting a missionary. Um, I don't know what you think of when you think of missionary. I remember when we were first at St. John's Wood, there was a, a lovely lady there called Phyllis who had been a missionary in the DRC, and her, her missionary experience was slightly different from ours. I remember her telling us about how a tribe of headhunters had come to the mission state station and said, you need to leave by the morning or we're going to eat you. The only problem was the car didn't work. It had been broken down for weeks. They did what they could with it, loaded it up, prayed, and it started. And off they went. Or maybe you have more romantic images of uh, being a missionary. Uh, it's often, isn't it, in missionary prayer letters, you get the pictures of the smiling children and the pastors reading their Bibles around the table, and in this picture and that picture, and wow, wouldn't it be amazing to be a missionary and see this happening and that happening all the time? Honestly, 
our experience of mission work is it's like ordinary life, but harder. A friend of mine um, who's been a missionary in Zambia for over 20 years now, he said, moving to a new country is it's like becoming a baby again. You need someone to hold your hand. You need someone to teach you how to do everything. Even if the language is, the main language in the country is English, they use English in a different way to how we use English. You need to learn how to get a driving license. You need to learn how to do the shopping. It's different. It looks the same, but it's different. Couple that with with the pressures of trying to do ministry in a new context, in a new culture, trying to work out why when you say one thing, they actually understand something quite different, how to, use the, how to use the Bible in a way that really speaks and works in that culture, it adds another layer of difficulty for you. So it's ordinary life, it's ordinary ministry, there are ups and downs, there are joys and sorrows, but it's all kind of elevated in a sense. So how can you do a good job of supporting a missionary? It's a really important question for a church because we should be concerned about mission, shouldn't we? The gospel needs to go to the ends of the earth. Everybody needs to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps the best thing about the church at Philippi was its support of Paul as a missionary. And there's quite a lot, as you, particularly at the beginning and at the end, where Paul talks about this support that he received from them and how grateful he was for it. And I thought, well, let's have a little bit of a look at how the Philippian church supported Paul and see what we can gain from that in terms of understanding how to support a missionary well. We're not going to get into lots of details. There's not time for that. <laughs> but we're going to see some broad brushstrokes. So I want us, first of all, to see that the Philippian church was an ordinary church. It wasn't an amazing, remarkable um, kind of church that you never see anymore. It's just an ordinary church. And then we're going to see that they gave Paul particularly four areas of support. Um, they had a genuine relationship with him. They prayed for him, they gave to him, and they visited him. Those four things particularly we're going to think about. And then I want to finish just by asking the question, why? Why support a missionary? As we do those things, I also want us to be thinking about, well, how does that work out in supporting each other? Because, as I said this morning, one of the realities of what Paul is doing is he's using how well they support him to say, hold on, you need to be supporting each other like this as well. So an ordinary church, chapter 1, verse 1. It's from Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. It's to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Uh, the Bible uses the word saint in a different way to the Catholic Church. Uh, the Catholic Church, I think, gets a little bit confused about the word saint. Uh, but here it just means Christian. Someone who God has made holy as they've put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we do. We can't be holy without it. So to, to the whole church, together, um, the whole church with its overseers and its deacons, its elders and its deacons, um, that's who the letter is written to. And they are a very ordinary church. 
Uh, if you read Acts 16, you can see how it was planted. It was, um, first of all, a lady called Lydia who became a Christian. She was a dealer in purple cloth, a business lady. Uh, then there was the slave girl who had been possessed by a spirit that Paul had cast out of her. And then there was the jailer and his family who, when Paul and Silas were in prison and there was the miraculous um, setting free from prison, became a jailer. That great question that he asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? And Paul's very straight answer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty ordinary, isn't it? There's quite a range of different people there. And from there, the church began to grow. But it grew amongst opposition. From the start, Paul and Silas were put in prison. People in the town didn't like the preaching of the gospel. In fact, others came from other places to stir up opposition. The church, as you read through Philippians, you see, has unity and humility issues within it. It's certainly not a perfect church. There's lots great about the church, and the greatest things are all about the grace that they've received from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul says of them in chapter 1, verse 7, it's right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. It wasn't that Paul had a special grace that nobody else has but we all share in the same grace. And that's the best thing about the church there. And so it's worth remembering, it's worth saying sometimes the obvious things, but to do a good job of supporting a missionary, you don't have to be a perfect church without any problems. It doesn't matter if you're a big church or a small church, if you're a new church or an old church. The work of mission needs to keep going and therefore supporting of missionaries needs to keep going. And they did it from the very first day. They supported Paul's ministry from the very first day. He says that, doesn't he? Chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And he actually literally means the first day. What happened when the first Christian became, well, the first person in Philippi became a Christian? She said to Paul and his team, come and stay at my house. It's almost the first thing she does after her conversion. That's Lydia. So literally from the day the church started, they were supporting mission work. Makes you think, doesn't it? (laughs) As their relationship with Paul went on, there were four areas that they particularly supported and um, important areas that I want to just spend a little bit of time thinking about. First of all, there was this this genuine relationship. Um, They knew each other and they loved each other. Did you hear what? Paul said uh, about them, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart. He he knows they're concerned about him, chapter 1, verse 12. He's he's saying, I want you to know, brothers, that what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That suggests they know about the fact that he's in prison and they're worried about it and they're worried about him. 
And so they've sent someone, in fact, it was Epaphroditus who they sent, and he's actually, I better tell them that it's okay, actually. You might think being in prison is really bad for the gospel. It's all right. You'll have to read Philippians to discover why it's all right. He wants them to know. They want to know. There's this relationship between them. They've sent someone to him. They've loved him so much that they've sent a gift with a person to go and meet his needs. He's concerned about them, so he's sending Timothy to them so that he can find out about their needs. There's communication going on. Now, obviously, these days, communication's a bit easier. Um, But it's really important that genuine relationship is, is not just built but maintained with the missionary. It makes so much difference. Um, even something as simple of, of, as letting people know that you're praying for them. Um, you might, um, some of you might remember Holly and Chris, Americans who are in the church here. Um, Holly's sister, uh, Carrie, and her husband Matt and the family ended up as um, mission workers in Kitway. I remember the first time that I met them. There's a lot of us that often have lunch together after a church Sunday service. And I'm sat down talking to this new lady, someone I've never met before. Uh, and I'm um, just explaining you know, who I am and what we did. It's like, oh, you're Chris and Helen. <laughs> and I'm like, how, how on earth do you know about us? She said, well, I've been at Duke Street and they pray for you. That meant so much. That meant so much. That communication of the reality that, that you're so concerned for us that you're praying for us. It makes, a, it makes a big difference. But it needs to be two ways. And missionaries really enjoy praying for people who are praying for them. But it's not just one-way communication, but that it goes both ways. And that genuine relationship um, can be a real lifesaver sometimes, knowing that there's someone to to get on a Zoom call or to send a WhatsApp message to. Genuine relationship. Prayer makes a difference. Have a look at chapter 1, verse 19. I'll start at the end of verse 18. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. I missed something out. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Isn't that striking? He, I mean, he's in a dire situation. He's in prison, not knowing whether he'll live or die. And he says, it's all right, it's going to work out. I know. How do I know? Because you're praying. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and if you're a Christian this evening, you're going to say yes. But I want you to think about the question. Do you realize that God does answer your prayers? Let let me um, be a little bit honest with you. When I'm struggling to believe that God answers my prayers is when I'm not really praying. That's, that's the only time God answers our prayers. To pray for the missionary is the first thing and the best thing to do because what they need most of all is God's help. And the Spirit of Jesus Christ will help when you pray. 
The number of times in Zambia when we just felt held up by other people's prayers. Where we saw answers to prayer for things that we were asking people to pray for. I love what Paul says about Epaphras in Colossians chapter 4. He talks about Epaphras and how he is always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. Isn't that a great way to talk about prayer? He is always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. And he's not simply praying that you won't get a cold. (laughs) He's praying big kingdom prayers. He's praying that you will be mature and fully assured in the will of God. If you've got that genuine relationship, you'll know what to pray. And you'll be able to pray specifically. And you'll be able to pray these big kingdom prayers for people. And God will answer. He will. Along with this genuine relationship and prayer, of course, finance is an issue. I love the way that Paul talks about it in chapter 4, verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. (laughs) And they're sharing in his trouble by giving to his ministry and supporting him. Again, he reminds them, in the beginning of the gospel, at the start of the gospel in Philippi, when I left you, left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except only you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs again and again. It is hard for the missionary if they're having to worry about where the next meal comes from. If they don't have to worry about that, they can continue to be really focused on the interests of Christ. There are stories of, in the past, people sending used tea bags to missionaries. Have you ever heard about that? They would make their cup of tea. Um, in, in the UK, they'd hang their tea bag up on a line to dry it out, get a few, put it in a package, send it to the missionary. Here, have my used tea bags. That is not how the Philippians looked after Paul. Verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul says that the Philippian church gave to him even beyond their means. Out of their poverty and their deep affliction, is that right? They gave themselves first to Christ and then to Paul and they gave sacrificially so that he could carry on his mission and be well supplied. It is true, isn't it, that the missionary needs to be ready to cope with very little and Paul had learned the secret of that. We saw that in chapter 4 from verse 10. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. I've learned the secret of being content, he says. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. That's what he means when he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can face any situation, any circumstance. But the church should not be happy for the missionary to be in need. 
The church should be making sure that the missionary is well supplied so that they really can focus on the work of God. If they're not well supplied, they also have to do a job alongside their mission work. It means there's less gospel preaching that they can do, less discipleship, less encouraging of the believers. How much better if they can just focus on that work. And this pleases the Lord. And it can, it can be done because, as we, again, we saw this morning, God is, is rich in his glory, isn't he? Chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. We have to be sure of that to give generously, whether it's time uh, or money or resources or whatever it is. And then finally, visits, or what you might call short-term mission. (laughs) They sent the right person, didn't they? They sent Epaphroditus, and he was wonderful. My brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need. Serving and taking care of Paul, even it seems in his illness, really close to the point of death. They sent the right guy. And that's important. You need Timothy's and Epaphroditus's, people who are interested in the interests of Christ, people who are concerned to do the work of Christ. It shouldn't be that a short-term mission team leaves people who are there long-term, whether that's um, the missionary or the local people, they should not be left tired out, thinking, oh, phew, they've gone. (laughs) Something's gone badly wrong if your short-term mission team leaves people like that. No, it should be a sadness, as it was for Paul to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi. If you want to think more about short-term mission, you can listen to the morning sermon again. (laughs) Why, though? Why support missionaries? Why support each other? You know, we should have genuine relationship with each other, shouldn't we? We should be praying for each other. We should be giving and taking care of each other. We should be visiting and welcoming into our homes each other. Well, this is the reason. Because there is nothing better than knowing Christ. That's true for us. And it's true for the whole world. And there are people in the world who don't know Christ. So you need missionaries. You need people who are going to go and tell. Whether they're short-term or long-term or permanent. Whether it's people from the UK going there or people from there coming to the UK. We all need help in our gospeling, don't we? In our encouraging each other. Listen to this in chapter 3, verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. There is nothing better than knowing Christ. You get to know Christ through Christ being preached. That's why Paul says, never mind about me as long as they're preaching the gospel, chapter 1, verse 18 even if they're preaching out of a poor motive, whatever that means, causing trouble for Paul. Never mind about me, he says. The gospel's being preached. 
So people are getting to know Christ. And there's nothing as good as that. When Paul prays for them, he prays that their love will abound in knowledge and depth of insight or all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That sounds good, doesn't it? This is what it's about. And it all starts at home. Again, as we said this morning, the reason that he's kind of emphasizing how well they've looked after him as a missionary is because they're not looking after each other quite the same way. And that's where it must start. So while it's good for you to think, how are we supporting missionaries, particularly this weekend, how can we do short-term mission in a really good way? And some of that may be supporting missionaries or mission projects that you support. Don't forget to ask, how am I supporting the person next to me? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this great letter. Lord, we thank you for the ministry of Paul, and we thank you for the ministry of the Philippian church. And we pray, Lord, please, that you would help us to learn well from them the goodness and glory that you worked out in them. And we praise you that you do uh, work in us to will and act according to your good purpose. And I want to pray for the church here as they think about short-term mission, that you would help them, Lord. You would work in them to will and act according to your good purpose, that the Lord Jesus Christ might be glorified and more and more people might get to know him. In Jesus' name, amen.